Whitney, did you know that I don't even wear makeup? No, I didn't. I'm the complete opposite. I wear makeup all the time. (laughs) I can't be bothered except for mascara and a little tinted sunblock. But recently, BoxyCharm changed my mind. Well, it makes sense. The great thing about BoxyCharm is the fact that it's only $25 a month and you get five full-sized makeup and skincare products from top beauty brands. So the retail value of this is over $125 straight dollars to your door. And you know, we like to save a buck. We do. And how many times, at least for me, I mean, I'll go to some of the beauty stores and buy a bunch of random stuff and end up spending $500 and never use it. Okay. This is good because you do a little beauty quiz online first. And then based on your preferences that you express, they kind of curate a little box for you and you get a box every month and it's risk-free. And I don't know, I like it. It's like a little prezi to myself, right? Like every month I'm getting this stuff and I'm like, oh yes, like I need this pollution defense booster for my skin. Or like I need this Ola neon velvet liquid lipstick. I didn't know I needed it, but now I'm getting it every month and I'm loving it. I mean, your husband's going to be pretty like shocked when you come down with all this beautiful makeup ready to go. Ready to go. Also, not only does my husband like it, but this is kind of a cool thing. You can kind of connect with other beauty lovers. I mean, I'm not one of those people, but some people are very into makeup, you know, and they want to be in touch with other people who are too and talk about the products that they like and techniques that they're using. So that's kind of a cool thing is that they BoxyCharm creates this community that people can go to, which I like. Yeah, I love that too, because the exact things that you'll get in your BoxyCharm, the other beauty lovers are going to be using. So like you said, you can share tips and tricks instead of just randomly going on Instagram to see what one person is using and how to do it. This is actually right there. And for all of you charmers out there, you get exclusive offers when you purchase the products. And you can also refer friends and review the products. All kinds of great stuff. And I want you guys to know, head over to BoxyCharm.com. That's B-O-X-Y-C-H-R-M.com. And use the referral code Whitney or Wednesday at checkout. Yeah. And just sorry, I had to let Whitney talk because I was putting on my velvet liquid lipstick and you have no idea how sexy I look right now. I bet I do. You always look real fly. Mm, We're going to get it with our BoxyCharm. (laughs) Enjoy, guys. One of my favorite products right now is Purpose by Sovereignty. I've been using it almost every single day. It's been in my purse. It's in my car. Like I'm that obsessed with it. So Purpose is a CBG plus fermented and adaptogenic herbs blend. I mean, come on, right? Purpose's formula for daytime energy was specifically formulated to boost nitric oxide, you guys, which enhances sex drive. This formula includes seven plant-based ingredients like green tea extract, turmeric, blueberry, which has all been clinically proven to increase nitric oxide by, get this, 230%. Holy smokes. This leads to more arousal, better sex, and using all natural ingredients, which basically means, you guys, no Viagra prescription needed. Yes, let me repeat that. All natural ingredients, no Viagra prescription needed. All right. Another one of the reasons why I love Sovereignty so much is that these guys are not afraid to get creative. You know we're all about that here at True Sex and Wild Love. So in an extremely novel offer for my podcast listeners, they are doing something called 
your favorite money back guaranteed. So for True Sex and Wild Love listeners, you guys, my favorite people in the world, if you purchase the product and do not like it, not only will you get your money back, that's right, not only will you get your money back if you don't like it, but Sovereignty will buy you your favorite supplement instead. I mean, I've never even heard of this before, so this is why I'm telling you. They're extremely novel. They're crazy over there, and we love them for it. So what I want you to do is pause this podcast. Yes, pause this podcast and go to Sovereignty.co slash T-S-W-L immediately. Immediately right now. So one more time. That's go to Sovereignty, S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot co slash T-S-W-L. You will not regret it. I promise you guys will love it as much as I do. Enjoy. Whitney. Hey. (laughs) Today is going to be a very, very personal podcast about you. Yes, it is. It It is. is. And Mm -hmm. you, you know, you know what I love? You're just no holds barred. I mean, I might take off my pants in a studio and get a squirting tutorial, <laughs> but yep. but I am much more private than you are. You mm-hmm. are very open in so many ways. And so we're going to talk about your ex-partner repartnering, and um, I think it's going to be helpful to a lot of people because of yeah. your openness. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, that really is my intention with this podcast is is to let people know that, you know, we can hide our pain so much, but a lot of the time sharing our pain is what actually brings us closer. So this is this is my process. This is my story. And this is my story too in my humanness. You know, I'm still going through this. Um, yeah, I, it changes from day to day. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm great and I have all of the energy and power and freedom <laughs> and vibrancy in the world. And other days it's like I it's hard for me to get off of the couch and uh, I'm just creatively yeah. constipated and like I just can't nothing is really making, you know, much sense. And I feel like a lot of us have have been there when we go through a transition or when our ex repartners um yeah. with someone. Let's set the stage a little bit. You and Aubrey were together for seven years. Mm-hmm. And how many of those years were you open? And when did you get engaged? Yeah, so we were together for seven years. We split up last May. Officially, technically, we split up last May, uh, May of 2019. And we were open for about five, five and a half years. And we were monogamous for um, two of that. And we got engaged in April. We were only, we weren't, I mean, we got engaged. Yeah. And within less than a year, Aubrey told me that that ring didn't mean what he thought it should have meant when he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that was a very challenging time to go through. I don't think he necessarily knew what he wanted either. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I kind of just stopped wedding planning. I had already bought a dress. I, you know, we were talking about places on where to get married and all of that. And so I just kind of stopped and put the engagement on hold. Now, it didn't really change anything in our relationships. We were still living together. We were still open. We were still seeing other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we, as most people know, you know, transitioned our relationship last May of, of 2019. And I got, you know, my own place. And 
But at the same time, you know, we took maybe a couple of months where we weren't seeing each other or hanging out much. Took a break. Um, we took a break and then just kind of hopped back into things a little bit. We were calling it, I think, the no relationship relationship, which is pretty much oh, what it was. The no you know? relationship relationship. There was like a situationship. <laughs> a situationship. Okay, let's rest on that for a minute. Because I think a lot of people listening have probably been in a stage of a no relationship relationship or a situationship. So I want to put a pin in that. First, I want to say something that I think is um, important to, to say. Aubrey Marcus um, is the reason that I met you, or you are the reason that I met you, right? You said to Aubrey, I read this book on True. I need to meet I this woman. I have to meet this woman. <laughs> so, and Aubrey helped make that happen, right? Mm-hmm. And he like leveraged off uh, his influence and his power and got me on his podcast, which was great for me. It was it got me a new um, in front of a new set of eyes and ears. Plus, I got to meet Aubrey, uh, who became a really nice friend and ally to me. Plus, I got to meet you. So what I want to say is anything that I say in this podcast, I don't hold back and I'm not going to hold back, but this isn't personal for me. This is, this is about, as you said, connecting and helping other people connect to you and to us and to the pod, um, who have been in a similar situation or will be at some point. So when I talk about Aubrey, um, and that he is the person who's your ex. Of course, it's personal in that way. But I'm coming from a space of, um, you know, respect and acknowledgement that he's been a, a lovely ally to me. So none of this is personal to him. This is a human situation, and we're going to dig into it. So, and it's a situation that so many of us will, you know, go through. We're and, all going to be on some part of this configuration or have been at some time. So let's, let's get into it. And I do want to piggyback on that too. Like first and foremost, I have so much gratitude for the relationship that I had with Aubrey for every experience that we went through from like the painful to the awesome. I mean, we used to say so many, there were so many moments in our relationship where we talked about literally felt like we were in heaven. Like this is heaven. We we made it. This is awesome. It feels so incredible. Now there were times that also felt like hell and we were in that a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, But this is not me trying to come off as like super pissed off or scorned or anything, but But the matter is we're going to get into all of the feelings. They're all real. They're all real and they're all there. And, and it just depends on when, when you catch me. (laughs) And I I also know know that, you know, this is, this is where I'm at today. And the only thing that is constant in our life is that everything changes. Things are changing from moment to moment. And so it's like, yeah, this is where I'm at today. Maybe in a week or two, it'll be completely different because I really am trying my best to get out of the story that, you know, that's creating more pain. And I'm trying to find that unconditional love of just saying like, look, on a soul level, and I am, Mm -hmm. and I know that's already there. On a soul level, I'm happy for your happiness. And I'm so grateful that you have set me free in order for me to like really find these deep, deeper level of happiness that we couldn't necessarily sustain together. And my focus really as ever is on you as my friend, as my 
podcast co-hostess as my partner in crime. And I just wanted to say to you and the other women and men and people who identify as neither who are listening, one of the, to me, one of the greatest teachings of Buddhism is that there is never going to be a moment when everything gets tied together nicely because, (laughs) right? Not, it's not like you're going to start studying Buddhism, they say, and then suddenly, you know, you'll be jogging and you'll lose weight and you'll eat healthy food and everything will come together and everything's going to be great. Nope. Mm -hmm. Things come together and then they fall apart and then they come together and then they fall apart again. So this, to your point, is the process. So let's dig in a little bit. You said that you and Aubrey got to this point where you were in a situationship, right? And this was after all the hard work of opening, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember Aubrey telling me, so this is no secret, that when you guys opened, it was because he had seen somebody else without telling you, right? No, it was, um, we he mentioned being in an open relationship and I said no and I left. And so he started dating somebody else while I was traveling. And I had met somebody who was actually his friend at the time and realized, oh, wow, I um, can be interested in this person, but I'm also still in love with Aubrey. And then by the, when I came back, that's when he was like, okay, well, I'm seeing this person who is now my best friend and I can't imagine my life without her seeing this person. And so if we want to be together, we have to try an open relationship. And Got so it. That's okay. So that's started. how that happened. Sorry if yeah. I misrepresented that. All right. So, but you guys did the hard work of opening and it was hard. I mean, I have to say, I have spent time with you and Aubrey together many times and you were a great couple, but I really felt like with Aubrey, um, I felt like non-monogamy almost, he wanted it, but it almost sometimes went against the grain of his being, right? Yeah. It it sometimes really was really, really hard for him. And sometimes it was really, really hard for you. So just hats off to both of you for pulling that off for, you know, all those years. That Mm -hmm. is a real achievement. And like, you know, as you know, I don't like the language of the breakup and the whatever. Um, You just need you need to get the credit that you deserve for having made that work. So I just want to honor that right now that you and Aubrey made that work for that amount yeah. of time. That's a long Thank ass you. time. That's it's a, a common, long ass time. <laughs> a common law marriage in in New York State, I think. Because one time I was with a boyfriend for almost seven years, and somebody joked, um, "Oh, now it's uh, it's actually a common law marriage if you're together for seven years." And I was like, "Whoops, I'm out." <laughs> Like, like, uh-oh, gotta go. <laughs> but anyway, you know, that was every bit uh, as big and meaningful and official as a marriage. And so I want to underscore that and honor that. Thank you. And that's part, yeah. of, that's part of why things are hurting so much some days now. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, it, it would have been I – think, I think this is the thing, too. Like, the timeline, you know, is Talk people about have that. this – yeah, in general, really, like even when our ex is moving on, it's it, let's say me and Aubrey didn't see each other for the past year at all, and we were not much in communication. Let's say hypothetically that was the thing. If he got married this time, you know, one now, and I just had a year to get over it, it would probably still bring up emotions for me. And I talked to so many women and men who, when their ex moves on, regardless if it's in, like in in my position, um, 
two weeks um, or someone who moves on in two years or a year, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. still kind of can bring up emotions surrounding okay. that. Some okay. Surrounding that. Hold up. Two weeks. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, how this went down, how you first got the news, how you worked through it, probably in healthy ways and unhealthy ways, but let's touch on that timeline. So you guys were in a, a situation ship, right? We were definitely in something. Like, I don't know what we want to call it or okay. name it, but I mean, we were, I mean, you were in Tulum with us in February, this mm-hmm. February, you know, we mm-hmm. were, were in Tulum. We did, you know, Valentine's Day together. We were both still seeing other people. So I don't want people to think that we were, you know, monogamously together and whatnot. But I was staying with him multiple times a week. We were still sleeping together multiple times a week. We were traveling. I was bringing more and more stuff back over to the house that I lived into. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards the end of April, I guess, early May, it was we had a conversation and Ob said that we were out of alignment and we weren't really like seeing eye to eye on things. My priorities were different from his priorities. And was he right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe so for sure. Um but it still felt like a breakup. And I remember telling him like, wow, I feel like we're breaking up all over again. Like, I'm just again. Really experiencing all of this again. And I wasn't anticipating that because it was really challenging. It felt like, okay, here we go again. And then within a week and a half, within a week of that, he was spending the rest of his life with Vailana. Within, uh, I guess, a week of that, they were engaged. And then- oh, I'm within, sorry, like, within a week a of saying weeks. that you were out of alignment- They were engaged. So that was a very telescoped timeframe. And obviously, did you know that he was seeing her or you guys just weren't talking about who you were seeing or it didn't come up or? No, that, I mean, so throughout our relationship, um, and they talk about this in the podcast too, but throughout our relationship, um, it was, he always talked about having an attraction to her. Um, and that he was interested in that. And in our open relationship container, that was completely supported and like, okay, all right, mm-hmm. great. But mm-hmm. she was always in a relationship. She was dating our friend, Gunter, who I've already talked to. And he said that I can use his name and timeline and all that. So I'm not oh, just okay. throwing these people right, out right. there. They're okay with um, this conversation. We wouldn't, yeah. ha- we wouldn't have it otherwise. So they had a relationship and, of course, had its own struggles throughout it. Um, but she was always in a relationship. She was in a relationship m- – with him a week, a week and a half tops two weeks before she was engaged to Aubrey. Okay. So she so was this, living with him in his house. So this like, all happened really, really quickly, like within weeks. It that, happened that really guys, quickly. That, that you knew that it was officially over and then that he was telling you I'm um, getting married to somebody else happened within a space of weeks. He, yes. That yeah. is some, whoa, that is some on your feet whiplash needing to process stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, huh? I'm, I'm confused. How did My you brain feel, cannot how, compute. <laughs> how did you find out? And just where did you go when you first found out? Um, Tell me what happened. Uh, you know, to Aubrey's credit, you know, he came over, he came over to my house and wanted to have a conversation. Um, I knew something was up, you know, you have that in, intuitive feeling of like, hmm, something. Mm. He's coming over here to tell me something. I had no idea it was necessarily going to be that. Let's be real. Um, but yeah, he told me, you know, this is what came up. And they talk about this in their podcast. They did a ketamine, you know, ceremony. And that, I guess, showed them that they were in a sacred union, that they were already married. 
so he came over here before that, said that he was, you know, in love with her, that um, this this uh, ceremony showed them everything. They are already in a sacred union. And so I have two sides to me. You know, I have this one side that completely can understand it, like spiritually, like I understand it. Mm-hmm. I want him to be happy for in mm-hmm. any possible way. And I want her to be happy. I don't wish them ill will at all. Like I, I really do. That's the great thing about you. Cause maybe I would just be like calling on the sex, witches <laughs> to cast <laughs> some mean spells, but you know, that's me. I'm not as evolved. I'm, I'm different from you in that way, but I have always been amazed. It's part of your openness is your willingness to look at ugly feelings, hurt feelings, um, you know, confused feelings and not rush away from them by doing something. That's why you're a much better Buddhist than I am. I mean, you have been sitting, witnessing and accepting your feelings with compassion for several weeks now. And I really admire that. And I, well, thank you. I mean, I, I try. I, <laughs> I want to underscore that for everybody who's listening. Whitney is one of my great teachers in this regard, which is that you know, we tend to feel embarrassed if somebody, quote, dumps us, unquote, or like moves on before we do. We can feel humiliated, left behind, rejected. And it's so hard to look at, to sit with those feelings and to welcome them in and to have compassion and tenderness with ourselves for having those feelings and to accept that we're having them. But what you have taught me and what Buddhism has always taught me is that if we can do that in ourselves, it makes us better people in the world because we can do it with others. Uh, Mm -hmm. Buddhists would be mad at me for saying better because they don't believe in this improvement shit. But you know what I'm saying. So thank you. Thank you for your example in that because this is a huge thing that people need to hear when you're when your ex gets married or when your ex moves on and is swept away and is in love and really, really it is over for you and your ex, can you sit with your feelings of rejection, of humiliation, of rage, of pain? Can you, could you be tender with yourself? and accepting and compassionate for the person who is feeling those things and just sit with those feelings. And you did, and you have been, and you've had other feelings too. I've had all of the feelings, you know, and I think that's, (laughs) I want to say one uh, thing. Can I just say one other thing mm -hmm. that I want to put a pin also in one of the, we're, we're talking a lot. We talked a bit about Aubrey and his partner and, you know, limerence, which is a thing that happens at the beginning of a relationship is like a really sexy, intense period. Um, it doesn't usually last, but here's hoping that in their case that, you know, there can here's wishing them limerence for a lifetime, but when, when <laughs> but, but when but when your partner when your ex partner is feeling limerence for another person, I <laughs> yeah. can see how that might feel like being murdered a little bit. Totally, like, totally, absolutely. And I, like me and Av have done this to each other. Like he's felt limerence for people in our relationship. I felt limerence for people. Um, when we were in our open relationship. So I get it. It sucks. And I think 
you know, there's so many different avenues to go through this. There is something that I want to touch on when, you, yeah. when you're talking about being like really compassionate and allowing all of these emotions to come up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been hard. Like I said, I've had all of the, all of the feelings and I just have to watch to watch to see what story mm-hmm. I'm creating about myself that reinforces yeah. a certain belief or reinforces the pain. Like, oh, see, I'm not good enough. See, there is something wrong with me. I can't trust love. I'm just going to be alone forever, you know? And then also the I other side of the you, thing yeah. is, mm-hmm. you know, tracking that story that's that's diminishing of myself, of me feeling like, because this is a story that's coming up is, oh, was I just a placeholder for for this whole time until she said, until she got out of her relationship and they could explore the relationship. Now I don't Uh like, so here's the two sides. And I feel like so many of us have it is here I am. I feel like a placeholder. I'll diminish myself wham me. And then the other side is like, no, clearly that's not the case. Like we really did have a beautiful and awesome and very good relationship and held a very unique place in each other's hearts. And I would never want to change that. So you have these two stories going on at once. You know, yeah. You So, I mean, that's what Buddhists would call the tug, right? Shenpa, getting hooked is, is Shenpa. It's when you get hooked. So you have the feeling and then you're saying you get hooked or you hook the story onto a narrative, right? Mm-hmm. It just like hitches onto it. But you could just make yourself just go back and sit with the feeling, right? And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And just knowing that the feelings are there for a reason, that they need to be there. The more that you feel them, the more that you express them, that's when you really start to move on. That's when you start to heal. That's Mm -hmm. when you can look back at the relationship with gratitude and also look back at like, ooh, I really liked that. I I want more of that in my future relationships. Or no, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, Like I'm not going to be in a relationship where I don't set boundaries for myself anymore. Right. So you feel that part of this, I want to, I want to say one other thing, which to me, the other reason I admire how you're working through this so much is I know that you, you know, when you were a little girl, your mom left, right? She wasn't really there in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So like feeling left or like a placeholder or whatever, this, this is deep for you. So in a way, you know, my shrink, Suzanne, my lesbian Buddhist sex researcher, psychoanalyst shrink. (laughs) I want to hang out with her. She's so great. You know, I've written before about how sometimes I just get these terrible crushes on people, right? It doesn't matter if they're men or women, but I I get these terrible crushes on people or I used to, and I would just like, and I tell my husband about them and he knows and we have jokes about it, but it used to really kill me. And Suzanne always says, other people will always show you where you're stuck. Mm-hmm. She said, we have to be grateful to these people that you're telling me you're coming into session and you're saying, oh my God, this crush is great. Oh my God, this crush is killing me. She's like, these people are kind of actors in, you know, not to diminish them, but all the people who come into our lives and we have relationships with, I mean, all relationships are an attempt at repair. So she was telling me your marriage is an attempt to repair stuff from your childhood. Your crushes are an attempt to repair stuff from your childhood. The way you parent your own kids Wednesday is an attempt to repair things that happened in your childhood. So I want to honor that this could be activating really deep, painful stuff with for you. And yet here you are 
finding the opportunity in it. But not in some Pollyanna way. I mean, you're real. You're pissed sometimes. I talked right. to you a couple of times and you were pissed. You were like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> That's the thing. That's, That's the thing. It's like, I am, I'm human, you know, like I don't have everything put together. I can, my mind sometimes folds over on itself because I'm like, I'm pissed off. Oh, but you know why? You That pain is only just hiding, that anger is only hiding pain for you. And, and I start to like go down these times when really I just want to be like, no, I'm just pissed. I'm just confused. I'm just sad. I'm just angry. I'm just feeling sorry for myself, you know, and then allowing to space for the times that I do feel excited about the future and excited about my freedom. I mean, let's talk about that because this is a really interesting aspect of when your ex moves on that people don't hear about as much. We hear about the heartache, the feelings of rejection, um, that you just have to get yourself out there. It's hard. Like you said, sometimes you just don't want to get off the couch. But Mm -hmm. less often um, are we talking about other feelings that you're having. And you you have told me that some days you feel elated, you Mm -hmm. feel free. And let's talk about how – we talked about this a little bit on our podcast with Gabriel Stone, but I want to talk about – when you sold your engagement ring? Because Aubrey had told you a while previously, I don't think this means anymore what it means when I gave it to you. Can can you talk to me about your feelings, about the decision to sell that ring and your feelings about it? Yeah. You know, and I, after we had that conversation a long time ago, I still wore my ring every day. I mean, I, I, there was times actually during quarantine, I wore <laughs> my ring every once in a while. Why? I, it, one was just like, we were in such a good place and that, that it, to me, it was like a piece of jewelry that we, we both enjoyed. And that was a conversation yeah. that we had. Yeah. And that was kind of it. It was kind of like a piece of jewelry at that point. But, um, but it had a lot of memories in it and a lot of mean, meaning. It was an, right. it, it was an important symbol to you. I certainly to wanted him. it. Yeah. I wanted it to mean what it meant when he gave me always. But, mm. you know, at some point yeah. that shifted and that changed and that was, really sad and really hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking looking back at the relationship as just like this is a gift and a, an adventure. And that's exactly what I am even now being able to do stepping forward is okay, this is a gift. This is an adventure that I get to go on and I get to claim it for me. I get to I get to write exactly what that adventure looks like by making my own decisions that aren't affected by somebody else, which is huge for all of us. Um, And yeah, when it came to selling the ring, I didn't necessarily think, and it's interesting because, you know, we talked a little bit about this with Gabrielle Stone, like you said, and some people get really triggered by this specific conversation of selling the ring. You didn't earn that. You just need to give it back. You need to do this. What, however you, you Cardi feel B would it. say you earned that. Yeah. <laughs> All hail Cardi, you know? <laughs> she would say you earned that by giving great parts of yourself, including amazing sex and connection and support, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, she would say you earned yeah. that on your back, but you know I what mean, she means, you know? <laughs> But that that says a lot that anybody would say that a woman earned or didn't earn her diamond, right? Or whatever ring it is that she's wearing. That tells us a lot about our culture. Keep going. I want to hear yeah. the story. 
Yeah, and, shut up. and we, I had talked to Aubrey about it. Hey, what do you think about me doing this? And, you know, he was totally cool. Like, that was something that we had talked about prior. So it was my ring. I got to do and choose what I did mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I decided to sell it and invest it back into myself. And as I was selling the ring, I was thinking like, hmm, what can I do? Maybe I could buy myself another like beautiful ring that was kind of a commitment to myself, to Ooh. to my to my self um, love, to my self exploration, to an internal deep dive into like really me and making that commitment to myself. Because have mm-hmm. I ever really done that? I don't know. And so yeah. that was that was one way that I was you know thinking about doing it. But really, it came down that I wanted a business coach. So I hired. I used that money and I hired. A, a business coach. Her name's Amanda Bucci. Shout out to her. She's freaking amazing. If Hi, Amanda. Coach. I know. She's Amanda. been on the podcast with her partner. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. With so, John Romanello and her. Um, so yeah, I used that ring to just invest back into myself, into my company. And, and really for me, it's about creating even more security, even more stability, which right. is something I've always craved and even more freedom. And to me, that feels really really good. It feels like, hell yeah, girl, here we go. You're doing it for yourself. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about something because this brings up something that's still a little taboo for people to talk about. But, you know, um, let's talk about money and power in relationships and, and uh, you know, when there's, um, when there's a disparity Mm-hmm. a marriage or a long-term partnership or even in dating. This is a thing that happens in New York City a lot, Whitney. Like I live in Manhattan and um, when things were normal, you know, sex in the city, it was all very like sex in the city sort of ushered in this era, um, although it had been going on for a long time, right? Edith Wharton talked about it in in the age of innocence with her character, Lily Bart, who really was this beautiful young woman who was not getting younger and needed to get married and needed to find a wealthy man. Right. Yeah. And then sex in the city is kind of a similar thing with Carrie, with big, right. Um, I know even when I got married in 1999, that was still a paradigm. People were saying to me, Oh, you have a husband who." has a town. Oh, you're marrying a guy who has a townhouse. I mean, a, t- a townhouse in New York City is a big deal. It's like a house rather than an apartment, whatever. Who cares? It's also like $1 trillion. Yeah. Well, and so <laughs> a lot of women rate themselves by the standard of how powerful and rich a guy can I snag still, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, that's because men basically still if you look at the data, men still basically uh, mostly control access to resources in this country. They out-earn us. Uh, they out-CO us by uh, a shit ton. And uh, that's just kind of the way it is. But okay, you and Aubrey had that in your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Aubrey's tremendously successful. You were like flying on private planes. He bought you a big rock. You had great bags, you know, and um, you were having fun with being treated really well by somebody who had the means to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it, all, great. <laughs> it also affects the power dynamic of a relationship. I mean, I know for me, years my husband out-earns me. Um, you know, I'm feeling that. Years when I'm getting a big book contract or, you know, when I'm earning our relationship, it, it's different. 
It's different so, when, when my husband's the only one earning or he's earning a lot more. So let's talk about this. How did that play out for you and how does it play out in terms of the breakup? Yeah, that's something that I would love to talk to you about if that's something you're open as well is just to understand like what what do you how do you work through that if you're yeah. in a relationship, you know, where you can feel it, like what does it mean when you can feel it in a relationship and then what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I know so many women who are, you know, would would call themselves liberated, would call themselves woke, would call themselves um, intersectional feminists. um, And they still really value themselves in terms of how rich is the guy that they're with or how successful is he or how famous is he, right? Mm -hmm. And I know women in New York who stay married. I know women in New York who don't get divorced because it would be too financially ruinous their lifestyle would take too much of a hit. So they have very pragmatic arrangements. Several women I know had pragmatic relationships uh, arrangements for many years where they did not get divorces uh, because it would mean a bump down in their lifestyle. And let's not judge. That's a big deal, right? In, mm-hmm. in a place where school tuition is really high and you know public schools, your kid might not get what uh, the, what your kid needs. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And a lot of women here, which is supposed to be this so enlightened city with all these powerful women, they're still saying, staying in relationships, uh, because it does not make sense for them or it is not, they do not feel it's possible for them financially to leave. And by the way, who am I to say to any of those women, oh, you know what? You should do it this way. You should strike out on your own. You should, you should, you should. You know, that's not my job as a social scientist. I right. I, look, I look at the social behaviors and I, I try to look at the cultural logic and the economic reality underneath it. So I see that as a big thing. And, you know, it's so funny because my husband is 62 and he's kind of... He's enough older than me that we're almost, we kind of have different ideologies sometimes. And by the way, my husband raised two daughters as complete feminists. My my stepdaughters are just incredible people and so confident. So is your husband. And love, so strong. Love him. Yeah. And he loves women. Um, and, and he raised two amazing young women who are more accomplished than I ever was at their age. Uh, and at the same time, he can have some very traditional ideas. So earlier in our relationship, you know, when I was home with a preschooler and a toddler, and I just went to a place of depression and rage, you know, that was hard for him to understand because he was working and supporting us. And he thought that my life home with the toddler and a preschooler, you know, trying to write when I could, um, he thought that was looked pretty appealing to him, right? And mm-hmm. I remember this huge fight with my husband. Like it raised the roof. I think I lost my voice. And it was about the fact that he didn't know how to do laundry and wasn't going to help with the laundry. I mean, my husband orders the groceries, but the gross puts the groceries away, cooks for our kids, got our kids off to school every day, and went off to work. But there was this thing <laughs> Joel was just like, like, I was like, how come you can close a deal in eight languages on four continents, but you can't figure out how to do laundry? And then (laughs) it was on. 
And I mean, what was it really about? It was about the <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be partnered and I wanted to feel like, no, we're really in this together, even though you're earning the money. And it was killing me. So thankfully after that, my career really took off. Um, but that was hard. It was hard that my husband out earned me. Yeah. I I But I, I liked it too. I, I enjoyed the perks. Uh, I enjoyed the perks. Absolutely. I mean, I was the same way. I mean, I, I, my dad was very on me about you need to get a job and then you get into a relationship. Like mm-hmm. you want to make sure you have your own money, your own thing, everything like that. And of course I didn't do that at all. <laughs> um, but it was still, I mean, I was so appreciative of it and so grateful of it because it really gave me an awesome life. We had so much fun together. And also it gave me the, the, ability to dive into a lot of areas that I don't think I would have been able to. You know, I I worked for Glory Kickboxing for a while, which I didn't make hardly any money with that. Mm -hmm. But I traveled the world and got to call fights and worked with people I absolutely loved. Super cool. From there, I was able to start this podcast. I was able to start relationship coaching, you know, and, and in other circumstances where if I were, you know, working eight to five, that may not have been the case. But I always Mm -hmm. felt like I could not um, express my appreciation or gratitude enough to Aubrey because I always felt indebted because mm-hmm. he was the one, you know, going to work and he was stressed out and building on it, this company, which is amazing. But I always kind of just felt indebted. And I think that's also something that, you know, played a role in our relationship too. Um, maybe yeah. he couldn't receive a lot of the ways that I was grateful to him, but maybe I also didn't even know how to express that because I already already felt like I was in debt and that he could never see that. Um, hmm. So I know now I really, really, it's so important for me just because I know how I am. I love to work too. I need that in my life. Yeah. I absolutely love doing it. I'm a great employee. I <laughs> like that. I know that about me. Um, now yeah. building my own business as an... <laughs> you know, coach and entrepreneur in that way. It's a little bit different than being an employee. But um, yeah, I just know for me, that's, that's where I thrive. And that's something that that really makes me happy. Yeah. So now I have the reflection like, okay, now you really know, you can be super grateful because you had this awesome life. But now you really know that this is something that you want, you want your own stability, you want your own financial security, Mm -hmm. and financial freedom. And for that to not play a role in the in the relationship, if that's even possible, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring that out too. Yeah. It's something to figure out. It's a process. I think that what's, what's interesting is, um, you were with Aubrey when he first started, when on it was, I mean, he, he more than once told me the story of how he felt for you. Like the first time he met you and he was just in like a studio or a small building, right? Yeah. They were in like a 500 or 600 square foot studio apartment in Austin, Texas. And then you were with him um, throughout the course of him building um, that building that company into something oh, yeah. quite quite big and successful. So you were with him the whole time. So when mm-hmm. we talk about gratitude and expressing our gratitude, I'm sure that Aubrey knows that he's indebted to you for helping for your emotional support, any other kind of support that you were there, just lifting him up while he was doing that and building that company. So it's, it's not like, I mean, I hate the word gold digger anyway, but if anybody ever said that about you to my face, I would punch them. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's that's just not, like that's not. And I've heard people say that, not not necessarily about you, but it's a thing that people in this country say. Because once again, back to men mostly controlling access to resources in our country. That's just the way it is. And so, women who want proximity to that and who get proximity to that through sex and relationships, we denigrate them by calling them gold diggers and I'm over it. But, you know, you were there and you were part of that process of building that business. And I'm sure that Aubrey understands that and is grateful to you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is. I think he is for sure. And we've had conversations about that, you know, in the past and he's expressed that to me. I think it's just my own you know, there, there's my own insecurities of being like, oh, oh God, I hope I'm, I'm doing a good job. You know, I hope I'm doing good enough. Yeah. And that's just like a part of my story that I'm starting to learn. And that really goes into, not to change the subject, but it goes into one of the biggest things that I'm learning through this is the fact that I never really set boundaries for myself in, in any part of my life. Oh. Like I would just, I would think that I was strong enough to do whatever life threw at me or whatever my relationship wanted to do. And I would be like, yep, I'm strong enough. So I'm going to try it because you know what? I'm not going to die from this. I know that I'm going to be okay. And, but really all that did for me was just constantly build barriers and make me a little bit harder and make me a little bit scared and make me a little bit harsher and not be able to fully open up because I was going through life feeling in a, in a sense of a fight or flight. I wasn't safe. I didn't believe mm, that my world You never world felt was safe. safe. You didn't feel safe. Right. And so I was I always had to put up my protectors and go through life in that way and go through love in that way. And this is starting to really break that down because I can't pretend that I'm strong enough to see it. I can't pretend that I'm strong right. enough to talk to him right now. Right. I can't okay. Pretend, yeah. you know. Okay, this is a really good example when we talk about setting boundaries. Okay, let's get concrete about this. For example, you've said a boundary that you've set for now is you're not in a place to talk to him right now. We can talk about yeah. him. You can be reasonable when we talk about him. You can see I still, the look, upsides and the downsides. But one boundary that's in place is you're not talking to him now. Good. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know that for now that's just not something that's going to be – it's going to be too draining or too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really just, and I love the guy. I will always, I will always love him for sure, without a doubt. And I say that with the utmost meaning and depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, yeah, I, I realize, you know, he really wants to be in contact and really wants to be supportive and really wants to um, converse. Like we're friends, really. Like nothing is, has changed between us. Um, and to me, I just can't do that right now. Right. You know, and you know what? Maybe, as, yeah. Yeah. Ahead, and it's, and it, it was me listening to myself of, of trying to talk to him and taking into account how I was feeling after that. Yeah. Oh, God. It just felt like, why am I putting myself in a situation that just feels terrible for my, like, energy? Well, like, now really, you're not. Yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. coming out of it feeling like, oh, that was a, that was good. You know, I came out of it just being like, that's way too much pressure for me. And so – one concrete example of that was the first time I saw him since everything happened. I was about to leave for the Bahamas. Um, this was in June. I guess it was, I went to the Bahamas July 1st. So right before that. And, um, you know, they were married at this point and I saw him randomly at the gym and 
I just had such a wall up. Like if I was a porcupine, then mm-hmm. I would have all of my spines all out. All your you quills know? were quills out. Yeah. <laughs> quills and, out, girls. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, wow. Okay. This is just too much pressure for me. I don't need to put myself in this, in these types of situations. Okay. And I, that's something that I expressed to him. And really what I was able to come understand was, do I believe at some point we are going to have a friendship and be able to hang out all of us, me and his wife and and him? Yeah, for sure. I actually do believe that. And I want that. I think that'll be awesome when we get to that point. But I'm not right there now. And if me and Aubrey, if I keep pushing past my boundary of, of, you know, not wanting to be around him right now Mm -hmm. or not wanting to talk to him, or I'm not listening to how I feel energetically after that, then we're going to keep getting in these instances where he doesn't want to be around somebody that is so, you know, turned off and has all of my quills out <laughs> and is so, you know, like kind of just just protecting myself in yeah. such a way. And I don't want to constantly put myself in that situation. So it's it's actually to the detriment of our future potential friendship if we keep interacting with each other in that way instead of just being like, hey, Right now, this is my boundary, and I'm listening to myself. I'm learning to listen to myself. Yeah. This thing, um, yeah, this thing this started is, to happen like yeah. maybe a decade and a half ago when I uh-huh. wrote my book, Step Monster. That people started to think that people who were divorced—I'm just going to think about you as if you're divorced—we're supposed to be best friends, and that you're supposed to be best friends with your spouse's, your ex-spouse's new person. Let me just say something: if you live in a culture or a place like Austin's, pretty groovy where you want that or people expect that of you, make sure that's what you want, right? Yeah. Maybe someday you want to be friends with them. Maybe you never need to see them again, except to say hi politely somewhere. I'm just talking about people in general. I was under so much pressure to be friends with my husband's ex-wife. And I was like, I knew very clearly I'm Midwestern. I am boundaries, rules, uptightness, repression runs in my blood. And I knew that for me, it would not be comfortable to be friends with my husband's ex-wife. And this thing started happening where, when I was writing Step Monster, where everybody thought that, oh, well, you should spend the holiday uh, with your husband and his new, and his partner uh, when you're his ex. And hey, maybe some of us don't feel like doing that. Okay. So I just want to say to people, there are no rules about that. Like you said, Whitney, it's what you're comfortable with when you're comfortable with it. Some people yeah. one day might want to, you know, all get together and have a barbecue and have all your kids play. And some people might want to say, you know what, I'm just, that's not going to work for me. Wish you well and am ha- happy enjoying my life the way it is separately. And we can say hi when we see each other, right? So the whole range is okay. What matters is having compassion for yourself, for your feelings, and not letting them hook you too much after a while, right? I I mean, that's how I see it. 100% and not judging yourself for that because I have this idea that if I was conscious enough or if I was strong enough, I could just push past that and and all is love and light and we can just be friends right now. No, babe. But that's not actually, if we're talking spiritually or anything like that, that isn't the most conscious thing that you can do because you're just pushing away how you actually feel. The most conscious thing is thinking like, ooh, I, this doesn't feel right for me. Energetic, like energetic hygiene. I'm not, I'm not taking into account what's coming in. If we keep showing up with each other completely closed off, 
resentment's going to build and then we're never going to be able to be friends in the future. So it's thinking like, what's for the betterment of you for nurturing yourself and honoring Mm -hmm. yourself? Mm -hmm. And then what's for the betterment of the potential future outcome that sounds good to you? Yeah. And just taking care of yourself moment by moment, right? I think that's really important when you're, when your ex repartners is just take care of yourself moment by moment and expect that sometimes, I mean, parent yourself, right? Treat yourself Mm -hmm. the way Whitney should have been treated as a little girl, even as a baby and be there for her and be responsive to her and be non-judgmental of her and be patient with her. I mean, I think that's what we need to do with ourselves whenever we are in an emotionally difficult situation. And yet too, too often we do the opposite and we're just like, right. grow, grow up, cry, baby. You wouldn't uh-huh. say that. You wouldn't say that to your inner child. Have some love for her, right? Right. Now, okay. When we're talking about these shoulds, I want to touch on something that is a personal uh, peeve of mine. Everybody mm. is still repeating this ridiculous thing that there are stages of grief and that you progress and that there's a way it's supposed to happen and there's a timeline in which it's supposed to happen. Uh. Can I tell you, (laughs) when I was um, six months pregnant with my third child out to there, had named her Daphne, was completely in love with her, and then had a stillbirth. Mm, Right. I was fucking wrecked. I mean, that was my baby. Yeah. I knew her. I was bonded with her. I went to my doctor. I remember maybe half a year after the stillbirth. And my doctor said to, and I burst into tears. And my doctor, who's, you know, like an MD internist, just said, you know, you should be, this shouldn't be happening anymore. This shouldn't be, this shouldn't feel so immediate. You should have some space between you and this. And you shouldn't be in this stage of grieving right right now still after maybe it was half a year. Maybe it was nine months. So thankfully, Suzanne was in my life and I could go to Suzanne. And she just rolled her eyes and she said, there is no time frame. She said, Wednesday, if you tell me that eight years later you still can't get out of bed or two years later you still can't get out of bed at all, after you lost your baby. That's one thing. But mm-hmm. she said for people to impose this grid on grieving and to pathologize your grief process, as long as you're not clinically depressed, you know, uh, at danger of harming yourself, she said it's a lot more fluid and it is not a straight progression from denial to acceptance, right? When people talk about those stages of grief. So, can I just ask you to please, because you are grieving. You're grieving the end of a seven-year relationship. Who knows what you, what you were thinking that maybe you would get back together at some point. I don't know, but I'm talking totally, about other I totally yeah. thought that. So you're grieving. You're grieving yeah. all those possibilities, and there's not some time frame in which you're supposed to do it. And I want to say something else to people who are grieving, whether it's about your ex moving on or you lost a baby in a stillbirth or a miscarriage like I did or whatever – you lost a parent, a friend, there is not some time frame, right? And I want people to know that anniversaries are very hard when you're grieving. Yeah. Right? The day Daphne died, can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. days are really 
good. And it is true that with some distance and time, there is a certain degree where it doesn't feel so immediately devastating. And that's what's happening to you right now. Like it doesn't feel immediately devastating, right? Like maybe you're not so much in fight or flight as you were in the first days when you got this news, I'm presuming. But some days you are going to be put back into fight or flight. Yeah. It is going to. So please don't put on yourself that there's some way that you're supposed to do it. It's not like you should be best friends with them at, at some point or any point or now or in five days. And it's not like you, that's related to your own process of grieving, which is work, right? Grief is hard work. Give mm-hmm. yourself the space and time. Right. Exactly. Amen, sister. And I always say too that, you know, healing, this is along that same vein as healing is is not linear. It goes, everyone thinks Thank like, okay, you. we're going to start so healing. much better. I went Woo! on and on and on and then you just threw it down. No, it's because I've had time to think about this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Healing is not linear. Grieving is not linear. Getting better is not linear. And I want to throw one last thing in, which is it's life is not about getting better. Things come together and they fall apart and then they come together again and then they fall apart again. And that's life. Yeah, it is. And it's just like, life's not not moving towards some point where it's all going to be tied up neatly. And you're like, now everything's finally perfect. Damn it. It's not. I'm not. <laughs> Are you except, sure? <laughs> except when you come to New York and we hang out, then it's going to be perfect. Yeah, that is very true. I'm so ready. I have no idea. <sighs> can I? Can we touch on one last thing? Because you were talking about boundaries and then I got into like people think you should be friendly with your ex right away or people think you should grieve on a certain timeline. I want to get back to the boundaries thing. Mm-hmm. This is just a question I have because I remember, as I said, being under tremendous pressure to like go do holidays with my husband's ex-wife, not necessarily from her, but, you know, from a culture that believed that that was the best thing for the kids. Right. How do you feel like if Aubrey wanted to, I know that you and Aubrey became friends with each other's families. Yeah. How will you handle that? And what is your advice as a relationship coach to people, to people about that? Yeah, that's a really, it's, it it gets me, it gets me deep inside. So, and I'm sure a lot of people too. Yeah. It's a big topic. Cause this is something, even when people are getting out of relationships, they're like, Hmm, what do we do? You're not only breaking up with them, but it kind of feels like you're losing their whole family, particularly if you got close to them. Um, and this is, yeah, I don't know how much Ob knows about this right now, uh, but this is kind of one of my boundaries at this point is, you know, I have a brother that lives here in Austin who I'm very, very close with, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and him hadn't really had a conversation so much about this until recently. And he wanted to know how I was feeling because they were hanging out a little bit here and there. And I, all he asked me was, you know, I want to make sure that I'm a, a big brother, a good big brother to my little sister. And I want to know how you're feeling because I don't know if you've been so resilient from the open relationship um, that this doesn't really bother you that much, or maybe it does bother bother you. So the only thing that I want to know is, is this hurtful at all? And what I a just- nice can, brother. What I know it was, it was- <sighs> That guy's it, a gem. He is. He really is. Shout out he to is. Colin, Gwen. Love you, <laughs> Colin. Both, and his wife, Christy Woods. Like they've both, you know, have been so- Awesome. And they're and they're friends with with Ob and Vi. And so yeah, it puts them in a weird situation too. And I I get that. Um, 
And I just, you know, he asked me if this is painful at all. And I said, I just completely broke down and like could hardly answer. And I was just, I just said, it's extremely challenging. Um, And And you don't really challenge. Yeah. And it, it was for me being that person that you know, is, is strong enough to handle it. I'm not going to die. Well, they can hang out. I don't want to be the person that says you can't hang out with somebody. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Like where are all these voices coming from? That but says your that brother I was can't. asking you, right. See, and you think you're in the UFC ring all the time and that you have to stand up and get kicked in the face and your brother and your brother, yeah. even your brother is saying to you, do you not, not want me to do it? And even after we've talked about it, you're like, you feel like you have to st- stay in the ring and take the blows, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you just said, I don't want to be that person who says it. But your brother said, do you want me to not hang out with them for a bit? Right. And that's... um. And you're like, nope, just kick me in the head. Well, it, because it wasn't, it wasn't hey. that I was saying, you know, so I said, yeah, it's extremely challenging. And I kind of explained why, because, you know, to me, they're my very safe place. Yeah, um, and they so may not have even understood how, how, you know, nurturing that bond and that relationship is between me and them because, you know, Aubrey's a little bit more removed from that. And so that was my one kind of area that I could get away from it a little bit and feel like, oh, this feels safe and this feels good. Today, Um, can you tell Colin and Christy that you prefer that for the time being, they honor how important that relationship is to you as a safe space and they not be hanging with Aubrey and Vi for a little bit. Yeah. So we had a great conversation about it. So it just kind of opened the door and it was, you know, and he was like, I go, I don't want to be the person that says X, Y, and Z. You can't hang out with so-and-so. And he goes, Whitney, I don't know why you keep saying that because I haven't said that. You didn't say that once. All, all I said was, you know, are you, is this painful for you? And you said yes. And like everyone has free will to do what they want to do. But you expressing that is the best thing that you can do. And I was, I even told him, you know, I have anxiety just over saying, ooh, this hurts me, right? Mm, Because I'm just so conditioned to be like, oh, I can be fine. I can stand up. I can be strong. Just push that away. Yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so it's been, and Colin goes, look, if you keep pushing, you keep pushing a bruise over and over again or a wound over and over again, it can't heal. No. And I was like, that's exactly kind of kind of what it was, you know? And so it, it's really beautiful. And to me, it's, you know, it gives them th- more of the understanding into who I am and who and what the process of that is unfolding through this entire situation, which is, you know, me starting to be okay with setting boundaries and stand in my power and say, ooh, this actually really hurt me and maybe I'm not strong enough to handle it right now. You know, I love that. And I I want to just take a minute to rest there on you deciding to take care of yourself a bit and stop always being in the ring. I know you're a mixed martial artist. I know you were a UFC <laughs> fighter. I know you were a pageant queen. By the way, those bitches have sharp nails. <laughs> I know that you have been fighting and fighting and winning and winning and always putting your best, beautiful, tough, you know, armor out there. But I love that now you're saying, I'm going to be vulnerable. You're submitting to your vulnerability. And I think Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and it's as brave as any fight you ever stayed in. 
Yeah, it's 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 really beautiful and it's absolutely terrifying because my <laughs> my default mode is like, eh, fuck this. You know, like I'm good, I'm strong, I got this, no big deal. But then it's 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 like, well, relax and like be soft and like where do you where do you actually want to be? What do you actually want to feel? What kind of people do you want to be around? How do you want to make other people feel? You know, and what and will this, feel good for you? And what will feel what good for me is just staying need. open. Yeah. Right? That's what our friend Latham Thomas would be saying to you. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. need? How can you take care of yourself, the person you are now? And how can you take care of the little person inside who gets touched by somebody moving on? Right? Yeah. And this, this is the perfect yeah. classroom for me to do that. Right? This is the perfect opportunity to be like, okay, this is here. You get to go through this experience. You get to go through this experience because it's actually showing you, you know, it's teaching you some of the biggest lessons that's going to change the relationships that I get into and the relationships that I have moving forward and the relationship I have more importantly with myself moving forward. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I know that you heard me say it and that you know it, but I want to say it again for other people. Like Whitney, you and I, this conversation isn't over. You and I are going to be FaceTiming again and I'm going to be pissed at my husband or you're going to be having a sad day or, um, I mean, this isn't the end of this conversation. This is a messy process. We can't tie, we're ending this podcast, but we're not tying up the experiences that we're talking about in a neat little bow and moving on. This is a process. This is a messy, unpredictable process. And I feel like when something like this happens for me, the only strength I have is to sit with my feelings and not try to chase them away and not feel humiliated by my vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And being able, something that's been awesome for me is really being able to lean on on friends and family and not not pretending like I don't need that. One cool thing that I have to say, because a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, it's probably you guys, I have received, and I've been pretty quiet about all of this on social media because I've been in a funk. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm just kind of like stuck. Um, But you guys, yeah, but you guys, the people have been reaching out to me and sending so many messages in such a loving way, saying something like, I'm hoping I'm not projecting on you. I don't know how you feel, but I'm sending you love. I'm keeping you in my prayers. You know, you were in my meditation today. I'm thinking of you. And then sharing their story of this is what happened to me. This is what my ex is doing right now. This is, and I don't know what to do. And it's just like, this is so cool because none of us are alone. We really all have each other. And maybe our specific stories are different, but deep down, a lot of the same emotions are there. And I don't want anyone to feel alone or like they don't have anybody that they can reach out to. This is such an important thing in so many ways. Like everybody listening heard you say this, but maybe everybody listening now will take a minute literally right now to text somebody and say, Hey, how are you doing? I'm thinking of you. And you know, we, we talk about Whitney, like reaching out to our friends who are, you know, like really hurting from Mm -hmm. systemic racism and Black Lives Matter, um, really on the front lines and have been experiencing these, you know, this systemic racism for decades, for years. And 
reach out to that person. Also reach out to the person who's going through a breakup or just reach out to the person who like a lot of us have been quarantining for a long time and we're getting weird about connection. Make yourself reach out to somebody and say, you know what? We haven't been in touch for a while, but I'm thinking of you. Do you want to FaceTime? Do you want to go for a walk? Whatever. Do you know what? I had a friend get in touch with me recently. You know what she said? Hmm. She said, I suck. Let's go for a walk. I was thinking that you sucked because you didn't reach out to me and you know that I'm not the reacher outer, Mm -hmm. although it was good she got me out of that. But but look, she started with an acknowledgement that she had been out of touch and that she felt bad about it and that she felt that I might be hurt by it. So she started by saying, I suck. And then like, you know, I love you. Let's go for a walk. That can change somebody's whole day or week. So I love that people are doing it for you, Whitney. And I want everybody listening to do it for somebody if it feels right. Ah, I love that. <laughs> that makes me really happy because I know it'll it'll really – I mean, that little of a thing can change someone's day. You know, like Completely. when I receive these messages from people who I love and who are very close to me, but also from people who are just complete strangers and have never met me at all. And it's oh, just like, hey, yeah. I'm just thinking about you. Like I don't I know mean, how you're feeling at all, but I'm just thinking about you and keeping you in my thoughts. To me, I it's want like, you oh. also to be hearing from people who – everybody, if you're listening and Whitney is an inspiration to you, tell her because <laughs> this is a really good time for her to know this. Now I'm what, getting nervous. Now I'm getting awkward and nervous. <laughs> no, but tell Whitney and build her up um, because sometimes when you're – when your ex moves on, it's it's really not about them. It's about the deep narratives inside that are getting activated and relived. And you can help a person in that way by reframing who they are for them, by showing them how you see them. Whitney, you, you know, if somebody reaches out and says, Whitney, you have inspired me to say that I want a monogamous relationship or say that I want to open my relationship or you've inspired me to communicate better or you inspired me to do mixed martial arts, whatever. If Whitney has been an inspiration to you, tell her. <laughs> Thank you. And then that's good medicine. You and then do it to Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. 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 I'm I love a, that. Yeah, I'm an I'm a junkie for that. I know that it it helps uh, fill my tank. Yeah, you it know? feels just really good, regardless yeah. of who it's from or what, even is it what it's about. Anything. It's yeah, just, when people it just sincerely feels really reach out to you and tell you, "Hey, I just want to take a minute to tell you that you did or wrote or said this, and it helped me in this way." It helps fill your tank. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is that I want to touch on is just you know if you're going through a time where it, you maybe don't feel like you can trust love or or you don't know what this means because you see every you see maybe on my end maybe you saw us and you looked up to our relationship and we're like man that was awesome but you guys split up so what the fuck you know like you ruined it for me it's just knowing that like all of this can be such a blessing and like i know for a fact without without an inkling of doubt that i will look back on this relationship more than I do already with the utmost of, of gratitude and for this transition and how everything went down with the utmost of gratitude and knowing that it's, that it's going to be something that I will say, thank God this happened. Like truly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Mm. the pain is going to be there for now, but it will pass. This too shall pass. And that's the, and know, and know that. 
like know that you can find love. You know, maybe me and Aubrey were not meant to be together for the rest of our lives. We shared eight beautiful years where we learned a whole hell of a lot from each other. Um, and know that there is somebody out there, you know, if you want to be in a relationship and that's something that you're interested in being in, know that you can yeah. find that love and to you celebrate can. it. Yeah, you can and you will. And you get there by just accepting and being compassionate and tender with yourself when this is going down and, you know, you're feeling down. It's okay. Yeah. And all of, the things that, all of the things that you're going through can make you into – you know, it makes you into like me. I'm I'm becoming softer. I'm understanding what my boundaries are. I'm I'm opening up a little more. I'm I'm opening my eyes to who I really am, which makes me a better partner, which makes me a partner that I want to be, which makes me feel really good about myself, which in turn makes me a good partner, right? Right. I mean, and you know, I like this idea of just taking a pause who, you know, who needs partnership right after your partner moves on. Maybe you just, I'm saying one, not you, but maybe one just wants to have a, a casual sex, which by the way, sometimes people say casual sex that can be connected. There can be great connections there. Maybe you just want to really get into solo sex and trying a bunch of toys. Maybe you want to spend, maybe you want to go on a girl's vacation. I mean, Woo! you know, right. Those. Some of us yeah. uh, aren't no traveling favorite. now, but you can, or you could just have a bunch of girls over. I mean, maybe you want to work on, maybe you want to like get, cert, I don't know, get certified in scuba diving, whatever it was that you weren't doing. Maybe this is an opportunity to say, huh, what do I really want to do right now? Yeah. What, where now that you have some more energetic space or emotional space or mental space, mm. what? is interesting to you? What is something that you want to do that you haven't done yet that now you have the time and the space to do? Right. Right. And not to be a Pollyanna and say, see, it's an opportunity. No, it's shitty. It hurts. Mm. But like you said, I mean, you know, energetic space is a little bit woo woo for me, but I like it. I like how you give me these new vocabulary words and yeah. ways to think about things. Well, how about, and- how about a little Beyonce? She has this quote. She has this quote. And my girlfriend just texted to me right now. And it's saying, you're swimming back to yourself. You will meet yourself at the shore. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Is there any better way to end than a Beyonce quote? No. no. Whitney? <laughs> the queen herself. I have all the faith in the world in you. And um, I love that you are sharing with people a process that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I'm here Thank for you, babe. Yeah, I feel that. And I feel I feel that from so many of you guys. And I just have gratitude to you as well, Wednesday, because for me to feel comfortable to really talk about this, it, I've always been, man, I had some nerves coming into this podcast. I'll tell you that. My hands were sweating. Aww. Like, ooh, I'm just hoping that I'm, you know, I can help people and inspire people with this, with just being so open. But having somebody who can really hold that space and, you know, know that you're there for me is is huge. Yeah, always. Here I am. I'm your ride or die bitch, okay? Hell yeah. (laughs) I can't wait to come sleep in your office. (laughs) Oh, it's happening soon. Everybody wear your mask so that we can all start hanging out with each other soon. Whitney, I'm here for you anytime. And um, 
I love your strength and vulnerability. They're both such important parts of who you are. Thank you, darling, for sharing all this with us today. And for our listeners, um, please um, let us know how this podcast um, might have made you feel if you connected with specific things, um, because this was... um, this was one that we really wanted to do for all of our listeners to help you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're here for you guys as well. We're just a, a big true sex, wild love family. We are. All right. Thanks, Whitney. See you next time. Bye guys. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah. Leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.